And we're back with another episode of The Anarchist Experience, episode 149, uh, a.k.a. season 2, episode 17. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with... MC. And since we do this show uh, with call-ins, those call-in numbers for you to dial are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. If you happen to find us when we we do the show live, please do give us a call. Um, I've been gone for a week. It was my turn to go on vacation. Um, So did did I miss anything this past week, MC? Um, I think I took like a vacation from, from the news. I have no idea what's happening in the world. Well, I, I did manage to do some show prep while I was gone, but I don't like, you know, just like you, I'm, I'm a little bit out of it. Um, Trump probably did some stuff and liberals probably did some stuff and who knows? Yeah. So in other news, just, uh, debating whether I should, uh, interact with my homeowners association or just do what I want and see what happens. Um, could possibly be thousands of dollars in, uh, moving a, a hot tub around. Um, so not, not really sure, uh, if it's worth the risk of not t- telling them, but if I do tell them there's a risk that I won't even be able to get it. So, um, I don't know. It's just a lot of drama for nothing. See the, the, it goes with the old adage, you know, it's, it's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. Sometimes, uh, something. Yeah. Well, that that's the adage. Um, but when it comes to like homeowners associations, you know, uh, uh, our mutual friend who, you know, is part of a, a homeowners association we once had a talk now. And for me personally, man, I would never, I would never buy a house with a homeowners association because, you know, even, even though it's like, you know, it's, a, it's a private agreement among individuals who agree to live in a certain area. And I understand all that. Like I can, I, I just, I, I'm so bothered by the fact that other people have control over what I do with my property that I would never, I would never give up that right once I had ownership of it. Right. Like I've, I've been a renter my whole life. Um, so I kind of, I, I go by whatever, you know, is on the lease. And even that, some of the lease things that I've had to deal with were stupid. And so you just ignore them until someone says something. Um, but there's no way, there's no way I could deal with the homeowners association for any length of time. Um, because I go like, well, it's mine. And so I'm just going to do what I want with it. Um, and who are you to tell me otherwise, you know, but the, the, that whole man, it's a bothersome concept. It's a bothersome concept in general, but it's even more bothersome that, you know, anarchists and libertarians and, and those people, um, would look at it as, you know, a valuable thing to have, right? You want to exclude people. You just join a homeowners association that has exclusionary rules to keep other people out. I go, yeah. And then like, look what happens. Um, so what, what are the things that you're trying to do within yours, um, that you think you, you might run into some issues, uh, if you can't get away with it and what can they do? So, well, that's, that's the weird thing. I don't know what they can do besides find me, but let's say, for example, I want to paint the back patio. Um, it has to be a certain color, which, okay, fine. I can, you know, match that. But if they don't like the brand I'm using, then they can disapprove it, right? And so then what would happen if I already painted it? Would they make me like sand it down to to nothing and then and then, you know, get their approved paint and then you know repaint it? 
Um, I don't know. It's like, it's a lot of drama. And then uh, the hot tub, there's nothing specifically against putting things in your backyard. Um, but a hot tub is kind of a, a big structure thing. Um, it's not, it doesn't have like a roof over it. Um, you know, it's not like a, an additional um, protective structure that, you know, you sit underneath. It's not like a gazebo or anything. Um, and it's just sitting on the patio. So, you know, they shouldn't have a problem with it. But at the same time, um, who knows? They, they're obviously insane. So <laughs> I, I don't know. They're, they're control freaks. And uh, I, I, I would expect them to get in my business uh, pretty much no matter what. Okay. So if, if that's the case and you're concerned with that, um, rather than be concerned with the penalty, why not just work on getting, you know, the, the permission from on high, right? Just let them know that you'd like to paint it and then give them the brand that you'd like to buy, you know, b- before you lay out any expenses, right? And then get written approval, right? Because that's always going to be important right. later. Right. I want it in writing that, you know, you're allowing this brand and this hot tub to be placed, you know, before you outlay all the expenses. And like, is, right. is there a problem negotiating with them that way? Um, only thing is I already bought the hot tub. So if they say, no, you got to use this other brand, then uh, that would just not work. Oh, okay. Well, that's unfortunate. But the but the paint you could, or did you already buy the paint? Yeah, yeah. The paint, uh, the paint um, I actually bought one bucket and uh, I decided for myself that the color that I bought wasn't going to work. Um, so I'm going to put that in the garage, which they don't have a problem with because it's in the garage. Uh, they won't be able to see it. And then, uh, yeah, the back patio will be, uh, a tan or, uh, some, some other type of color than gray. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, uh, with, with the paint, then I guess you just go get their permission for whatever in the hot tub. You just cross your fingers and, you know, hope that they approve it retroactively. You know, like, oh yeah, yeah, no, it's a normal, it's a, it's, it's an average everyday hot tub. You know, there's nothing extraordinary about it that would, you know, be a blight to your neighbors yeah. or whatever. It's not, you know, clown painted oh, yeah. hot tub or anything like that. Yeah, I think you'll be okay. Yeah, we'll see. Anything else going thinking on? About, oh, think go about ahead. just going for it, just doing my own way, and then see what happens. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, and, you, and if I get if I get tossed, oh well, it's life. I'll find somewhere else to live. <laughs> Yeah, ho- hopefully somewhere without an, uh, an association. Um, I guess that's, you know, it, it, it could be for you, right, maybe, right? If you're, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're sitting there, you know, with your, your new lifestyle and you're like bored and in search from, in search of conflict to bring some excitement to it, right? Then you're like, I'm just going to mess with them. <clears throat> and I, I, um, I mentioned I had a, uh, I had a friend who was a member of a condo association, um, and like towards, toward the end of his tenure, right? Like when he knew he wasn't going to be there for very much longer, um, that's when he just decided, um, you know, to, to, to be a thorn in their side, right? Like a, attend all the meetings and, um, run, run for office on the board or run for a board seat or, or one of those things or whatever. And just, you know, just, just be a thorn in their side until, you know, he, he eventually left. Um, so that's, you know, that's always an option. Like, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily recommend that because again, um, 
you know, the, the problem with those associations is like, you know what you're getting into before you, before you enter them, right? They, they lay out the contract right in front of you. You can read all the terms and conditions. You can arbitrate all the way along the way. It's like, it's, it's beautiful for, for libertarians, um, you know, who want private contracts and want to exclude people and all that. And I just go like, still, I'm still too much of an individualist, um, for that to, 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 to be a life for me, like too many rules, um, to the point where, like I, I said, we were on vacation. I guess I'll try to tie this in as best I can. Um, and we were, you know, we, we, we took Ubers and Lyfts just about everywhere that we needed to go outside of um, where we were for the most part. And, you know, you depending on how long the ride is, you get to talking to the driver. And, you know, one of the things that I told the driver, because um, she was talking about, like, you know, disciplining her niece and, like, how her daughter was, like, so much better and so much easier and, you know, less of a love a rebel when it comes to like the rules that it was hard for her to, to deal with her niece in some situations. Um, and what I told her was like, I was, I was the annoying, I was the annoying loophole finder as a child. Right. So like when it comes to like what the rules are, um, from the, from, from the, from the ruled perspective, right. I like negative rules. So like what I mean by that is when you go to the pool, right, it says like, don't run. And I like, okay, good. So I can't run. Uh, but there are so many other things that I can do because, you know, it, the rule was just one thing that's negated from, from, you know, possibility as opposed to, you know, positive rules, which is like, you know, uh, you must walk when poolside, right? Cause then there's only like one thing you can do while poolside. Um, so, you know, so as a child and even, even now for the most part, right, it's always like if there's a negative rule, you just, you just annoy them with loopholes as much as possible until they give up, right? And they go like, oh man, this, he's too much of a handful to deal with. We'll just leave him alone. Um, and the driver was like, well, yeah, but then they just ignore you and they just, you know, they don't want to have anything to do with you. And they go, that's the goal, like, that's all I've ever wanted as a child, as an adult, like my whole life. All I really wanted was to just be left alone, right? And, you know, she said, well, her daughter, her daughter's methodology for getting left alone is just to ignore people, right? Like, she just non-responsive. Like, you tell her something and just, boop, just doesn't, she doesn't have anything to do with you. Um, and for me, all that, you know, all that brings about is people like, you know, being annoying to me, right? Hey, why aren't you responding? Hey, why aren't you responding? You know, we need a response from you. We need this. We need this. We need this. Um, so like, you know, my, my preemptive defense was always, nope, finding a loophole. Nope. You didn't say I couldn't do that. I'm doing it. You know, if your association handbook doesn't specifically exclude, you know, hot tubs and so on and so forth, then by all means, you know, I'm going to put mine in and if you want to change the rules after the fact, then you're going to have to grandfather me in for this one thing because I, it's <laughs> not in the rules when I signed it. And if you're trying to change the terms and conditions, there needs to be considerations on my end, you know, like one, one of those things. Um, but like you said, you know, they could eventually go like, okay, you know, we, we, we've had enough of you and you're out. Um, and then you move on. Um, but I just, you know, it, if it were me, I wouldn't get into it. And if I had to get into it, um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be the, the thorn in the side for, for most of that tenure. <laughs> right on. Um, the, the, the one thing that I wanted to talk about, um, before we, you know, get into the show prep and whatnot, um, is again, you know, I, I was on vacation 
and you know me we we had to to do the TSA experience and for the most part it was it was all good like there was there was nothing really on on the entire trip like we 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 did the show last week Saturday um and then we left for the trip and then we came back yesterday which is Saturday we're doing the show now on Sunday a day later than we normally would record uh, because I, I just got back into town literally last night, like 12 hours ago. Um, and so, so for the most part the you know, there was, there was no interaction with any person of significant authority aside from the TSA, you know, like, you know, we got, we got Ubered around anywhere. There's no worries about cops. Um, you know, security getting into, in and out of where we were going was mild compared to everything else. <clears throat> but I did. I did have uh, an item um, stolen by the TSA through their, you know, their confiscation procedures and whatever. Um, and M, who, who I went on the trip with, um, sometimes co-host when MC's on vacation, um, just has a big mouth, man. And, you know, almost almost got more stuff stolen from us, um, you know, with, with her big mouth. So apparently, if, if you're not aware of this, you know, there, there's always been like the ban on liquids going through TSA, um, and what, what she knew and didn't convey to me and what I didn't know, um, was how the TSA defines liquids. Um, and apparently it's what, anything that conforms to the shape of its container. Um, so if, if you, if you, you put something in a bowl and it like takes the shape of the bowl, like that's a liquid. Uh, if it doesn't take the shape of the bowl, then, you know, not a liquid. So that's, that's how they define it. Um, and there's also a new, like, you know, rule on, uh, snacks and food items going through. And that is just like, you know, you got to take off your shoes and your belt and your socks and all that other fun stuff. And like nothing, nothing in the, all that other junk, um, laptops must be taken out separately. Um, food items must now all be separated out, um, for, for the TSA. And, and we didn't know that. So as we were packing up our luggage, it was, you know, my brilliant idea. Um, to put all the food items in the carry-ons because they're heavy, you know, they're, they're snacks and they're weighted and, you know, all this. And our, our regular luggage was going to be heavy enough as it is. So I didn't want I didn't want to be overweight and have to pay the overweight luggage fees. Um, so I said, like, put everything small and heavy in the carry-ons and put everything big and light in the suitcases. Like that's, to me, that seems like the strategic way to pack. And so what we put uh, in what in my carry-on was uh, we raided Trader Joe's and to brought back some snacks for some friends, you know, because there's no Trader Joe's in Hawaii. Um, was like, you know, uh, I bought myself some some peanut butter, some chunky peanut butter, and what I thought was you know cookie butter for me, but it turns out we were going to give that to her goddaughter um, anyway. So I didn't I didn't get that. Um, but when I when I packed mine in order to like maximize space in the carry-ons. Um, I shoved one jar of peanut butter in my left shoe and I shoved one jar of peanut butter in my right shoe and I had the cookie butter just like laying out with the rest of the snacks. Um, and it's not like I purposely did that. It wasn't like I was thinking, you know, like, um, this is my jar, this is my jar, this is the other jar or like, you know, to balance the weight or what, nothing like that. It just happens to be like, those are the jars. I had three jars and only two shoes and the first two jars I grabbed went in the shoes. So nothing, nothing special with that. Um. But TSA caught my cookie butter. They just went, you know, we're, we're, we're packing up everything else, getting through TSA, and they, 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 they call out, hey, you know, um, everything in here is fine except this, this one jar of cookie butter. Um, and I went, okay, 
like, you know, no big deal. And then M, you know, calls out from the distance because she, now she wants to know what's going on. Um, what, what's going on? What did they find? Uh, and I go like, they're taking the jar of cookie butter. And she went, what? Wait, all of them? And like my, my heart sank right for, for a brief minute. I just, I dropped my head. I'm like, God damn it, woman. Just shut up. You know, I gave, (laughs) I gave her a look, um, to like to zip it. And then I looked right back at the TSA guy and I went, yes, all of them, all of the one, you know, that you found, uh, that's it. Yes. That's all. They're taking all the cookie butter, all of them, you know, and he kind of gave a look too, like, you know, but he didn't, he, he, you know, also like zipped up my bag and went on the way. Um, and, but just God damn it, woman, just a big mouth. Um, you know, when, when, when dealing with authority, right? Like you just, you just keep your mouth shut. It's, you know, it's an emotional response. <laughs> it is. But I checked my emotional response because I knew I had two more jars in there and I wasn't about to argue. It's because you're a dude and you can, and you can, you can check your emotional response. Yes. <laughs> There's no filter. For like for, <laughs> you know, I was like, is there, is there something different about the peanut butter? Right. Like I could have been like that. Like, how come the peanut butter can go through, but not the cookie butter? And like, <laughs> you know, I could have done that. Right. Like that definitely ran through my head to find out, like, why are you allowing this when you're not allowing this? Is there more oil and liquid in cookie butter than there is in peanut butter? But no, you know, I went, nope, they missed it. Like I went, they, they fucking probably missed it and I'm not going to fight it here. They can have the one, you know, the three ninety five dollars worth of cookie butter. Uh, and I'm going to get the rest of my peanut butter and off we go. Um, but no, big, big mouth on her part. And the other thing I wanted to mention about this was, um, you know, I, I don't really like TSA and I don't really like authority figures um, in general. Like, you know, even, even back to your HOA, right? I don't like, I just don't like them. Um, but you know the, the 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 dude from TSA started off as like a normal human being who just happened to work for TSA until he found the cookie butter. Um, because the other thing that we like we processed through the line was a takeout bag of In and Out Burger, right? Like there's there's also no In and Out in Hawaii. It was the, our last stop on the trip. It's like you know, let's get some food for the plane. We haven't gone In and Out since you know our our last trip to Vegas a few years ago. I want a burger. <coughs> And so he sees, you know, the, the bags of In-N-Out Burger, like, go through the conveyor belt. And he just, like a, norm, like a normal human being, goes, I'll give you 30 bucks for it. You know, I was like, damn, really? I'm like, you know, there's only, like, 12 bucks worth of food in the bag, man. He's like, well, 25 then. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just offered me 30 a minute ago. You know what? When I'm not, like, how did we negotiate down? You know, like, it was your offer to begin with. So he seemed, he seemed like a normal human being to begin with. So I was interacting with him like on a normal human being level. And so when he found the cookie butter, I was like, all right, we'll let it go, whatever, you know? And then I'm like, Hey, do you want to buy it off me for like five bucks? You know, like you take it for five bucks. He's like, what do you mean? This is trash. Like this, this has to go in the trash. I'm like, Oh wait, maybe, maybe he's confused. Right? Like, I'm like, no man, I'm not offering you five bucks to let it through. I'm saying like, you know, do you want to buy it from me for five bucks? So at least I get something for it. He's like, no, this is federal now. Like, this is this is a federal case, you know. So I'm like, dude, like a minute ago, you're gonna give me like 25 bucks for 12 dollars worth of In and Out Burger, and you like, like you lost your sense of humor, you got serious all of a sudden, you know. So yeah, so all of a sudden he went from like a normal human being 
who worked for the TSA to like a total TSA dickhead um, in like the span of like finding a jar of, of, you know, contraband cookie butter. And it was, you know, to me, it's just like, man, it's ridiculous because like I, you know, like I said, I don't like dealing with them to begin with. So I pretend to be cordial and I'll, you know, like I said, you know, before I went on trip MC, I was like, I just, I don't want to deal with them. So I just do as little as possible. Um, but yeah, I turned into a total dick just like at, at the drop of a hat, you know, he's like, this just goes in the trash now. Like there's, there's nothing more that can be done with it. Um, it's like, all right, dude, whatever, just zip it up and let's get going then. Like do it, do what you want with it. Cause, um, I'm not, I'm not going to, he's like, well, you can check it. Like, I'm not going back out there and, you know, checking a jar of peanut butter with luggage. Like, that's that's not going to happen. Like, my luggage is gone. I'm not I'm not bringing it back, and I'm not paying, like, a luggage fee for a jar of peanut butter either, or cookie butter. So, yeah, that was, that was like, you know, the, the highlight of my TSA experience. Uh, I think at one point in time, like, uh, this was totally my fault, but a, a few trips before this, um, I lost a bottle of suntan lotion, um, sunscreen. Because I figure, you know, if we're going to be outside, you know, take some sunscreen. And I just, you know, my, my bag was already packed and I threw it in my carry-on. So I lost that. Um, so I think I'm down like 15 bucks to TSA at this point overall. Which is not bad. You know, still, it's like, I don't want to, I'm not letting them off the hook. They, they still stole my cookie butter. Um, but yeah, to, but the, the, to, to go from like a normal guy to a total dick in the drop of a hat... And also for M to like just open her big mouth when like talking to authority, right? You just you just don't do that. You like you know, you wait you wait for them to ask questions and then you answer them. You know, like you don't you don't provide additional information for the, uh, them to use against you if they should want to. Um, so yeah, that's all I got. Anything else for me, MC? Or any more thoughts on that? Oh uh, no. Oh yeah. So the other, the other thing that got confiscated from me on the trip was by private security. Um, and I knew the rules going in and it was just like, I just wanted to see if I could get away with it. So, um, we went to Disneyland for a few days and one of the rules at Disneyland is like no selfie sticks. You just, you, you, you are not, you can reach your arm out as far as it goes, but if you put that thing on a stick, forget about it. Um, and I was taking my cane with me. So I had the bright idea of put like, put the, the, the holder end uh, of a selfie stick onto the cane because they can't steal my cane. Like that's, it's not a selfie stick. It's like, it's a, it's a a walking assistant device. Um, and if I could, if I could attach, you know, the, the phone holder part of a selfie stick, um, to the end of the cane, then, you know, I just, just hold the cane out, take the picture. And then what are they going to do? No, you can't. Sorry, sir. You can't hold your cane out with the camera, with the phone attached to it. Like, well, it's not a selfie stick. It's a cane. Uh, and then, so, uh, at one of my jobs prior to leaving the, someone left behind a selfie stick, I was like, Ooh, this is perfect. You know, I'll, I will disassemble this selfie stick, um, and see and figure out how I can mount it onto, onto my cane. Um, and what it, I, I ended up having to break the selfie stick, you know, making it completely unusable again as a selfie stick in order to get the pieces off. Um, but it was also going to be impossible for me to mount to my cane, um, in a, in a, in a, a reasonable fashion, right. That the, or inconspicuous fashion. So the best I could do was take like the, the shortest part of the selfie stick and, you know, basically like, you know, rubber band it to the leg of the cane. Um, and then as we were going through, I, I think what ended up, uh, halting this was the fact that because it was going to be uh, multiple days in a big ass park 
um, and I'm already on a bad leg. Um, we rented, you know, the, one of those rascal like scooters for me. Um, so I wasn't walking with the cane. I had like the cane in the folded up in the basket. And so when they checked the basket, um, they saw the, the selfie stick attachment attached to the cane. Um, and the security guard like looked befuddled for like half of a second. She goes, is, is, is that a, is that a selfie stick? Oh, well, it's not the whole stick. It's just like, you know, just the end piece, like the, the mount part. She goes, well, what do you do with it? I went, obviously I take selfies, you know, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to lie about it, you know? And she goes, huh, I, I don't, I don't. I don't know what to, I don't know what to say, but like, I can't really, I can't really let that piece in. Right. And and like this end piece of a selfie stick is like six inches long. Right. I mean, it's not, it's not very long. It just happens like, that's the only part that I could get attached to the cane in, in the amount of time that I had to, to work on this project. So she's like, I just, I can't let that piece in. She's like, um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, eventually it was, you know, uh, I said, well, can I, I can leave it here if I can come pick it up afterwards. It's like, no, like once you, if you leave it here, it just gets trashed and destroyed. Like there's no holding it. So it's either, you know, turn it in, let it get destroyed or take it back up to your room. I was like, I don't really want to go all the way back to the room either. So I just, I turned it, it was, you know, it was a broken selfie stick anyway. Um, and you know, in, in talking with her about it, I'm like, I really just want to see if I could get, a, get in with it. Right. You know, and because it seemed like a good idea, you just hold up the cane. Um, I thought maybe it'd get confiscated like day two or three. I thought I'd at least get one day with it, but oh, well, you know, like no, no big deal on that end. Um, because again, just, just like your homeowners association MC, like I knew what the rule was and I was looking for a loophole. And so like this, this was my loophole because it's not a full selfie stick. It's not really a selfie stick at all. It's just like, you know, the phone mount attached to a cane, which no one would consider a selfie stick, um, to see if that would be like the loophole to the rule. Um, so, so letting it go and knowing that it was a, a free selfie stick that I planned to destroy anyway, was, was no big deal, um, for me. Um, so that was, that was the only little other thing that, uh, little run in with security, uh, that we went through. And also, oddly enough, like the first day we went through, um, the, the metal rod in my leg set off the security, the metal detector. And that was the only time that it happened. <laughs> like the day two and three, like, you know, day two we went through and like, I didn't set it off at all. And I went, is your thing working? You know, because <laughs> I set it off yesterday and I didn't set it off today. They're like, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, really? Interesting. So I don't, I don't know what the deal with that was, but I only, I only set off the metal detector once. Um, and after that, it, it just didn't beep at all. So I don't, I don't know if there's like sensitivity settings on those things, but just an interesting note, nothing more. All right, I'm done. <laughs> right on. Do we have any headlines? Headlines. Uh, FBI responds to kidnapping by killing the innocent hostage. Criminals just fine. A uh, headline. California considers $1,000 fine for waiters offering unsolicited plastic straws. Headline, America's Border Patrol behave like monsters. Activists arrested hours after a group released video showing agents dump out life-saving water. Uh, headline, oh shoot, headline. 
uh, paying for the surveillance state. Detroit businesses are being forced to pay to allow police to spy on their customers. And finally, headline, uh, minimum wage fallout is caused by government, not businesses. Uh, any place in particular you want to start this week, MC? Um, how about minimum wage? What's that about? All right. Minimum wage fallout is caused by government, uh, not businesses. Um, both in Canada, reading into the article, both in Canada and in the U.S., many jurisdiction, jurisdictions have listened to the people and enacted feel-good legislation like increasing the minimum wage, sometimes up to $15 an hour. Now that the consequences of such actions are being felt, people naturally blame private corporations. Uh, in Ontario, famous donut chain Tim Hortons sent the letter to all their employees saying that many of their benefits, such as paid breaks and dental benefits, will be scaled down or canceled altogether. Meanwhile, the great Canadian bagel chain has announced a price increase to pay for the newly imposed wages. Unhappy with these changes, an Ottawa-based labor council set up a bully hotline so that employees can anonymously denounce employers who violate the spirit of the new law. Uh, many Timmy's regulars are even calling on a boycott of the chain to show their discontent. In the U.S., a recent picture from a Subway restaurant in Seattle, Washington, shows the franchise owner stating that because of all the costs incurred, including high minimum wage, he cannot accept $1 coupons for the footlong of the day. It's almost a miracle that the chain hasn't cut back on employees altogether. Market forces affect everything. Who is to blame for these changes on both sides of the border? Unfettered capitalistic neoliberal puppy-eating Koch brother greed? Heartless managers who just want to exploit workers? Uh, no, the cutting back of hours, benefits, and discounts is a working of the market, i.e. every customer's decisions. Since franchises like McDonald's have on average a profit margin of 2.4%, the slightest sudden increase in costs will eat that margin away. It's a highly competitive and difficult world, as much as 30% of Quiznos franchises default on their government-backed loans. In Canada, for example, Ontario mandates mandated an increase of the minimum wage from $11.60 to $14 this year and to $15 next January 1st. These respectively represent an increase of 20.7 and 29.3%. In order to keep up with the competition and considering the high cost of owning a Timmy's franchise, it is therefore no surprise that Ontario restaurants cut back on benefits. It is almost a miracle that the chain hasn't cut back on employees altogether. Uh, more and more in the U.S., fast food restaurants are investing in self-serving kiosks in order to cut back on these brutal increases in wages. A reminder, the federal minimum wage is $7.25, increasing it to $15 would more than double that cost. Minimum wage is wage eugenics. Uh, these developments should not surprise people who understand the basics of supply and demand. Uh, normally, wages are determined at the intersection of supply, employees offering their services, uh, the blue line. Uh, and the blue line they're referring to, if you look at the article, there's a chart um, showing, you know, so like basically a supply and demand graph. So as I read that, you can refer to that back uh, later. And demand, uh, employers wanting workers, the orange line, the letter E. Since working in retail or restaurants require little more than a high school diploma, that equilibrium is much lower than, say, a heart surgeon who must endure years of training and study. Uh, but when governments come and impose a minimum wage, the dark line, uh, wages do increase at the expense of the workers. With a base wage now at E prime, uh, more workers want to work, but fewer employers want to hire because of increased costs. The newly formed triangle is made of surplus workers, uh, unemployed workers who can't find jobs. 
This unlucky Brian meme summarizes the situation of what minimum wage is, wage eugenics. And don't think it's a vice. Uh, Creating unemployment was the explicit goal of imposing a minimum wage. It was a Machiavellian scheme imagined during the so-called progressive era, uh, the late 19th century to about the 1920s, where it was thought that the governments could better humanity by weeding out undesirables, in other words, eugenics. In the U.S., this eugenic attitude was explicitly aimed at African Americans, whose generally lower productivity gave them lower wages. Uh, To fight this problem nationwide, the Hoover administration passed in 1931 the Davis-Bacon Act in order to impose prevailing wage, usually unionized, on all federal contracts. It was a thinly veiled attempt to weed out non-unionized workers who were either African-American or immigrants in order to protect unionized white jobs. Supporters of the bill, like Representative Clayton Allgood, were very explicit in their racist intent. That contractor has cheap colored laborers that he transports and he puts them in cabins, and it is labor of this sort that is in competition with white labor throughout the country. Uh, But while the racist intent of minimum wage has disappeared, its effects is always very real. Uh, It greatly affects the people it wants to help, i.e. low-skilled workers, and leaves them with fewer options. So don't be fooled by unemployment statistics from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Uh, Youth participation rates aged 16 to 19 are still hovering around all-time lows, affected among others by minimum wage laws. This means that fewer of them are looking for jobs, decreasing unemployment figures. It gets worse when breaking down races. Only 28.8% of African-American youths were working or looking for a job, compared to 31.6% for Hispanics and 36.7% for whites in December 2017. In short, people in Ontario and everywhere should be directing their anger at their elected officials for imposing wage eugenics. Since private corporations don't have access to unlimited amounts of cash, they have no choice but to make hard decisions in order to stay in business. This may include reduced hours, an increase in prices, firing people, or, in the worst case, bankruptcy. Uh, So your thoughts on this, end of the article, your thoughts on this, MC, about uh, who's responsible uh, for unemployment when it relates to the minimum wage? Um, Well, yeah. Um, I I had a discussion with somebody on Facebook recently about about minimum wage, and and, uh, he was complaining that minimum wage isn't a living wage, and... I said, well, yeah, because if it was a living wage, it would be called a living wage and not minimum wage. Um, so, you know, I, I'm in favor of no minimum wage at all. Um, the minimum should be zero. Um, and for example, uh, when I when I started, I, I started at minimum wage. And uh, if minimum wage had been higher at the time, um, I wouldn't have got a job. Like who who would have hired uh, you know sixteen year old me? Um, still, you know, pretty much my my uh, most of my time was taken up by high school, uh, so little time to dedicate to work, uh, working that hard anyway. Um, so th- yeah, they wouldn't have taken a chance on me. There'd be no reason for them to. Uh, but at minimum wage, there's much less risk for them to take me on and uh yeah so i so i worked um uh, all through high school and uh, that helped me pay pay for uh college and automobile and automobile insurance and gas and 
uh, a little bit of food and that was pretty much about it right <laughs> yeah um, it, it didn't help pay for for a house payment because um, yeah it wasn't enough it was minimum wage you know <laughs> I wasn't living on my own um, so so yeah just should be increased means you should uh, you know get a job that pays more um, and uh, yeah eventually I did make more and eventually uh, I became like a shift manager of that Taco Bell and eventually they offered me the whole store and I was like, no, I don't want it. I want to do something else, even if I make less money. Um, so yeah, there's all types of preferences and, uh, and certainly I wasn't stuck at minimum wage. It's not like, you know, it's not like they're forcing you to work for minimum wage and, and, you know, very few people really do. Um, if you are a person that that makes minimum minimum wage um you know i i feel bad for you i i wish you could make more money um and you know hopefully you figure out a way to uh, make yourself more valuable um and and if you can't i hope I hope you got good friends and family to help help take care of you because uh yeah stuff out there but there's there's people in venezuela right now making 25 dollars a month or less yeah um a, a doctor making $25 a month and hasn't eaten meat in a year. Um, that's uh, a symptom of government control and price control specifically. Um, and yeah, people are trying, you know, people are fleeing from that. Um, so uh, yeah, they're, they're going to places with, with less control and uh, that usually makes better outcomes uh for for the majority of people you know it's not perfect it's not, it's not for everybody but uh you know if you don't like it here go to venezuela <laughs> you know as they always tell me yeah. like yeah, go to move go to, to somalia so, yeah, yeah somalia there you go like no no you you move to venezuela if you like government control so much you know yeah. <laughs> go go see go see what it's hey, really like yeah venezuela they, they raise minimum wage every you know every month and it does squat for them. You know? Yeah, I, I will say this: like it's it's been a while um, since I've made minimum wage, um, and like my I think my my peak salary was back in two thousand seven, um, and then I've kind of you know I I got off track personally, um, you know, so I, I take responsibility for that and have kind of like been working my way back up to that level of income ever since, um, but like. You know, every every new job that I get, I usually get like a bump in pay. Like I, I leave an old job, I take a new job, and my pay goes up. Um, and I always feel like, man, I'm I'm doing all right. Like I'm 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 you know, it's it's a slow and steady process, um, but I'm I'm getting back there. And then they keep raising the minimum wage, so it keeps like it keeps creeping up on what I'm already <laughs> making. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so it's a yeah, weird so you, psychological effect. Yeah, you, you should basically just not try. Because minimum wage is going to go up, and that's yeah. a lot of people's. That's a lot of people's attitude. Like, you know, it doesn't matter what I do. The government's going to tell me what I'm worth. You know, like, and that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not that they'll tell me what I'm worth, but I, it, you know, like I, I know that I can keep these high school kids out of their minimum wage job if I were to take a minimum wage job. And when oh, yeah. the, you know, and and even some of the jobs that I've done that were like close to minimum wage. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't really that difficult. Like in Hawaii, when the minimum wage gets like, you know, $15 an hour, like it is everywhere else. Yeah. 
I'll probably go get a minimum wage job. Um, because one of the easiest jobs that I've ever done, which I got paid more than minimum wage for at the time, um, was like a parking lot attendant, right? Like I was a parking lot attendant for a few years and a lot of the locations I was at, all I did was sit in the booth and the people would scan their card and scan out and occasionally someone would have a ticket and I have to like, you know, um, uh, you know, like make change or whatever. Um. But, you know, for it's like it's better than security because there, there's no like rounds to make. You just sit there, you know, and, and you know, you, you could sit there and you could read a book and you could sit there. You can listen to podcasts, which was more what I did. Um, you could sit there and, you know, play on a, a laptop if you had one or whatever. Um, and now with with, you know, this was before before I want to say before HDTV, like when 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 that was like a new thing and it wasn't as and high speed Internet was not that big of a deal. Um, in a lot of places, like it was still there, but it wasn't nearly at the speeds we are now. Um, like now I could sit there for $15 an hour and just watch, you know, Netflix all day or like, you know, download shows and and watch TV shows all day on a, on a little screen and get, get paid, you know, pretty darn close, um, you know, to, to what I'm making now doing, you know, uh, being a a line cook and, you know, and uh, moving company, the, the other jobs I do. Right. So, so if I'm going to, if I'm going to make almost the same amount of money for like a fraction of the effort, right. I might as well just, you know, have more leisure time, um, and, and even, even get paid for, for leisure time, you know, like, right. yeah, I, you know, I, I have a Nintendo switch. I'll, I'll take that thing to work and set that up and play video games, you know, making $15 an hour sitting in a parking lot booth, um, you know, if, if that's what they're going to do, if, you know, if that's where we're going, like, why would anyone make an effort? Right. Um, and, and just like, excuse me, just like you, uh, you know, had a, a discussion on Facebook. I had a, a discussion with a, another friend of mine on Facebook cause he posted, you know, one of those like, you know, liberal videos about, um, uh, special needs people, people with disabilities making far less than the minimum wage. Right. <laughs> you know, like, Oh my God, how, how can you, how can, how can they allow this? Um, and my, my initial comment to him at the time was you do realize that if they were forced, uh, to pay them, you know, minimum wage or more that no one would hire those special needs people because they're not worth right. it. Right. Like, you know, there's, there's, you know, they, they, they voluntarily accept the job at low pay because, you know, to them, they, they benefit from the idea of feeling productive, like being a part of society and like doing what normal people do, which is go to work every right. day and get a paycheck. Right. And they're, and, and they're not expected to do the same level of physical or mental work. Yeah. Uh, that and the, normal and they're people also, are. they're also not expected to take care of themselves a hundred percent anyway. So yeah. they, they've got, they've got caretakers and, and people to make sure that they do their timesheet and, and, uh, you know, pick them up from work and, and all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just a program really. It's not even about the pay. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we got into a discussion about how, you know, they, if, if they would, the, the government by raising the price you'd have to pay them would basically price them out of a job. Right. Making them feel like, you know, even even less so uh, in in the marketplace. And, you know, I I don't remember how the discussion ended, um, but I don't it it never it never got too heated. Like he kind of like took what I said and hopefully internalized it a little bit. 
Um, and at the same time, right. You know, when we're talking about like wages, I just, I just saw a video on Facebook, you know, this morning, I didn't post it a show prep cause it was just like a quick little video about like a car wash in Florida, um, that's hired like all autistic people to, to work at the car wash. Um, and <laughs> that's somewhere I wouldn't go. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Okay. So, so hear me out. Right. Because they, they didn't, the, the article didn't get into anything about pay, right. It was basically, you know, the, the owner of the car wash has an autistic son and he wanted to his son to feel you know like a productive member of his society. Um, but he also said that, you know, the, one of the characteristics of autistic people is they like a controlled structured environment and they like repetitive tasks. Right. right? So, you know, they, 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 they have some, um, camaraderie together cause they're all in the same boat. Um, but they also really enjoy doing like the one thing over and over again, like shine the wheel, shine the wheel, shine the wheel, you know, right. wipe the window down, wipe the <laughs> So, so not only, you know, not only are, are they, they happy and productive, right? They actually, they're, they're good at what they do and they enjoy doing it. Um, and you know, and it's again, you know, they, they said nothing about wages, so I don't want to get into that, but just, you know, Damn, letting may- them be a productive member of society. May- maybe I'm a little autistic then. Well, you like repetitive tasks? Shining all my wheels, my cars and stuff. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, you're just a car guy, man. Like that's. Yeah. So my uh, my supercharger broke on my Corvette. Oh man! After under under 200 miles, I haven't put put on it yet, and the supercharger broke. So, so unfortunately, I'm not going to be driving it when when my parents are here, and uh, gotta you know I'm stuck with the. The V6 MR2 for a while. Oh no, rough yeah, life. It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's rough. So, so yeah, no, I'm, no, no air conditioning and no stereo in that in that in that in that beast. You know. <laughs> see, that doesn't that doesn't bother me too much. Like, I think yeah, I yeah, I don't think I've ever owned a car of my own that had air conditioning. Like every every car that I would have considered like my car was windows only. I'm pretty sure. And even, even the car that I drive now was like, you know, I, I guess you want, you could call it my car, but it's technically my stepdad's like was windows only. Then they fixed the AC. So I had AC for like two weeks and then they blame me for like, you know, um, hitting something and putting a hole in like, you know, the, the, the Freon container, mm-hmm. whatever, something under the car. So it started to leak and they never fixed them. Like, I don't, I don't really need it. Like, I don't, I don't need AC. You know, we got halfway through installing the stereo like three or four years ago and never finished that. I'm trying to convince my nephew to come over and, and put in the stereo. So like I, even in the car, you know, like windows down, earbuds in, and that's, that's, that's how I pretty much how I've always rolled. So what, what happened to the supercharger? Did you push it too hard? Um, I, I don't know. Um, I, I pretty much babied it, um, most of the time. And, uh, yeah, I think I think it's just maybe defective from the factory. So we're gonna see if we can send it back for maintenance, or if they'll just send us a different one, so that there's no downtime. Um, I I don't really want to leave my car at the shop, and he doesn't want it there either. So okay. uh, hopefully they do the right thing and they send me a new, uh, you know, unit, and then they can just you know swap it out real quick, and then uh, you know I'll be back on the road. But you know who knows what they're gonna do. Nice. Well, I know when I left for vacation, I took my moped in, um, you know, for, for some upgrades and for, you know, a tune up and some fixes. So I got to go pick that up tomorrow and see how that works. But I, I told my guy, like when I left, I'm like, 
all right, this is going to be a hard pickup because I'm picking it up like between shifts, you know, <laughs> like I'm getting a ride to work and then I'm getting a ride to here and I'm responsible for getting my ass back to work, you know, afterwards. So like finish it. Um, and I got a missed call from him, uh, I think Saturday, yesterday, yesterday, either Friday or yesterday. And I, because of the, the travel time and when his shop is open, I haven't been able to call back to see what that was about yet. So ho- hopefully my ride is fixed and hopefully your ride gets fixed as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, no, no minimum wage payments there and no, no autistic workers, uh, working at that shops either. But if they were, who cares, right? Let them work. Um, uh, next article. Sure. All right. Where do we, okay. I wanted, I want to do this one because there was a comment on it and it's stupid. Um, but I hesitate, I hesitate to usually post show prep like this. So, um, California considers a thousand dollar fine for waiters offering unsolicited plastic straws. Um, and you know, there was, there was one comment, uh, for this from one of our, our listeners, I guess. Um, and my comment back to him was basically what I just said, which is I, I usually don't like posting show prep where it's uh, proposed legislation or considered legislation or anything that hasn't gone into law yet, um, because usually things like this don't actually make it through. Right. This is this is like um, fear mongering that I try not to participate in until it becomes an actual thing. But this is so ridiculous. Um, and since I was going to California and I was in California anyway, I was like, all right, I'm doing it. Um, into the article. Ian Calderon wants restaurateurs to think long and hard before giving you a straw. Uh, Calderon, the Democratic majority leader in California's lower house, has introduced a bill to stop sit-down restaurants from offering customers straws with their beverages unless they specifically request one. Uh, under Calderon's law, a waiter who serves a drink with an unrequested straw in it would face up to six months in jail and a fine of up to $1,000. We need to create awareness around the issue of one-time-use plastic straws and its detrimental effects on our landfills, waterways, and oceans, uh, Calderon explained in a press release. This isn't just Calderon's crusade. The California city of San Luis Obispo and Davis both passed straws-on-request laws last year. And Manhattan Beach maintains a prohibition on all disposable plastics. And up in Seattle, food service businesses won't be allowed to offer plastic straws or utensils as of July. The Los Angeles Times has gotten behind the movement endorsing straws on request policies in an editorial that also warned that repetitive sucking can cause or exacerbate wrinkles on the lips or around the mouth. Celebrity astronomer Neil deGrasse Tyson, always up for a little chiding, and Entourage star Adrian Grenier have appeared in videos where an octopus slaps them in the face for using a plastic straw. Uh, <laughs> see, it's a little ridiculous. Uh, the, wow. <laughs> the actual number of straws being used is unclear. Uh, Calderon, along with news outlets writing about the issue from CNN to the San Francisco Chronicle, unfailingly state that Americans use 500 million plastic straws a day, many of them ending up in waterways and oceans. The 500 million figures often attributed to the National Park Service. Uh, it, it in turn got it from recycling company EcoCycle. Uh, EcoCycle is unable, unable to provide any data to back up the number, telling reason that it was relying on research of one Milo Cress. Uh, Cress, whose Be Straw Free campaign is hosted on EcoCycle's website, tells Reason that he arrived at the $500 million straws a day figure from phone surveys he conducted to straw manufacturers in 2011 when he was just nine years old. Uh, <laughs> Cress, 
Cress, who is now 16, says the National Restaurant Association has endorsed his estimates uh, in private correspondence. Uh, this well, may well be true, but only reference to the $500 million figure on the association's website, again, points back to the work done by Cress. Uh, more important than how many straws Americans use each day is how many wind up in waterways. We don't know that figure either. The closest we have to is the number of straws collected by the California Coastal Commission during its annual coastal cleanup day. A total of 835,425 straws and stirrers since 1988, or about 4.1% of debris collected. Uh, squishy moderates on the straw issue have pushed paper straws, which come compostable at only eight times the price. Uh, EcoCycle skews a bit more radical with their Be Straw Free campaign, sponsored in part by reusable straw makers that urge the adoption of glass or steel straws, because we all know how good steel smelting is for the environment. Uh, in any case, criminalizing unsolicited straws seems like a rather heavy-handed approach to the problem, especially since we don't actually know how big of a problem it is. But don't take my word for that. Ask Milo Kresk. If people are forced not to use straws, then they won't necessarily see that it's for the environment, he tells Reason. They'll just think it's another inconvenience imposed on them by the government. Uh, update from the article, Reason spoke with Volkek Tang, a senior assistant to Assemblyman Calderon, who said they intend to amend the bill to remove the fines. Uh, whoop de dee doo uh, your, th your thoughts, MC? Are you, a, are you a plastic straw user, MC? Um, I never really thought about it. Never thought I would have to think about it. So, <laughs> uh, I, I think it, it falls in the same category as the plastic bag ban and I'm against it. Um, yeah, it's just really inconvenient and, uh, um, I'm, I'm okay with the campaign, like to get people to think about it. If that's, if that's what they want to do, like voluntarily not use straws, but, uh, if a business wants to hand somebody a straw, that should be their business, you know? Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, there's there's lots of stuff that ends up in the streams and the in the oceans, and uh, that's unfortunate. But I th I think a better use of time would be actually just getting out there and cleaning it up, uh, rather than trying to get people to stop doing stuff that they're probably going to do anyway, um, or like like you did, you know, find a loophole, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> uh it's it's going to be really hard to enforce and really kind of pointless um it's not really going to uh help out that much if it does at all um so yeah i think there's better use of time uh than to yeah. pursue go government action <laughs> like it, it's weird right cuz it's like one thing when you go to a restaurant to to reuse a knife and fork that someone else has used or to eat off a plate that's you know been washed and put out there. Um, but I, I wonder how much effort like the dishwasher is going to go through to make sure that the inside of that many straws per day, whether steel or glass is going to be like clean. Yeah. Well, I don't think standard. I'd use a steel or gl glass straw. I think I would just, you know, drink out of the glass and touch my lips where somebody else's lips touched. Well, also <laughs> weird. Yeah, yeah, and it, right? and it is, but it, you know, um, I I don't, I'm not too too uptight about it. Um, uh, some people are. Um, for those people that are, just you know, just stay home. <laughs> you know, I don't, 
now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there's some people that won't sit on a, on a public toilet, you know, they'll, their, their insides will explode before they sit down on a public toilet. And, uh, I'm not one of those people. I, I don't, I generally don't care. So. Yeah. Well, I, I use the ask, ask it as often as possible, you know, like I, I don't mind sitting down, but like, you know, unless it's an emergency, uh, you know, the, the, there, there, there should be something in between. Um, and, and, you know, as when I go to restaurants as well, like I'm not much of a straw user, um, unless it's fast food, like fast food is kind of like the only place that I'll use like the, the plastic straw with the drinking cup. Um, it's funny. We worked with a client at one of the jobs I had who was, you know, special needs. Uh, he had some emotional distress. Um, but one, we were like trying to clean out his place for a move and he was insistent on keeping the plastic straws and not throwing them away. All right, dude, this is trash. You've got, look how many straws you have. Like, let's, let's not take that with us to the new place. And he was like, I reuse those. I'm like, do you really? Cause you have a lot, you know, like if you reuse them, why do you have so many? Why not just have like a couple that you cycle through? You know, he's like, no, I, I like when I, when I go to McDonald's, I like to take a straw with me so they don't have to use one of theirs and then they can save one of their straws, you know? And then I, you know, then I see like the, the fresh McDonald's cup on the, on the table with a brand new straw in it, you know, that not from his recycle pile, but from, you know, from, from the rest, like, you don't even do that. You're like, you're just making up stories, man. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's just, it's, it's weird. Well, cause even, you know, the glass and the steel straws, like you personally may not drink out of them MC, but if the, if the restaurants, you know, if people want a straw and you know, some people do. And they start using the glass or steel straws. Like how many of those are going to end up thrown away anyway, right? It may not be as many um, as the as the as the paper straws, um, but I I I know from working in a restaurant that you know uh, utensils make it into the garbage somehow sometimes, right? We just we just run low on certain things um, until until one is like, well, wh- where did they all go, right? Like so <laughs> they just you know. Like we have, um, I, I work in a Japanese restaurant, so we have um, chopsticks. We have plastic chopsticks, we have wooden chopsticks, and we have metal chopsticks for the kitchen. Um, and they bought us like, you know, a handful, like a bunch of metal chopsticks to use in the kitchen for, you know, kitchen use. So we wouldn't always be using the wooden chopsticks and throwing them out. Um, and the plastic ones was, you know, for like dining customers so they get that, that authentic Japanese sense of, of eating. Um, and like, I think, you know, the last time I was at work, we were down to like three metal chopsticks. Like I had to go hunting for them if I wanted to use those. And I just, you know, you go like, I'm not going hunting. I give up. I'm just going to open up. I'm just going to use the disposable ones. And when I'm done, I'm just going to dispose of them because that's what you do. Um, but yeah, you know, and the other thing that I wanted to bring up as far as like the restaurants is concerned is, you know, the, the whole, like, you know, the unsolicited aspect of it, um, because one thing I didn't know, and it turned out to not even be a thing, like we're, we're from Hawaii. Uh, so when we, we went out to dinner with, um, with one of M's friends to, uh, I'm going to say like a, a fancy French restaurant and you know, the, the waiter comes by and he offers us like still water. Like, Oh, would, would you guys like some still water? And like, I, I looked at M cause I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what still water is. Like I just usually ask for water. Um, and she goes, yeah, we'll take some. And he pours, he pours the water and then he sets the bottle down. I'm like, I'm confused. Like what, you know, someone, one of you mainlanders explained to me what still water is. Um, and her friend goes, 
okay, so it's like, you know, they have sparkling water, which we're familiar with, and they have still water, which is basically like bottled water, and then they have tap water. Um, So if you don't want to drink the tap water, then you order the still water, which is bottled water because it comes in the bottle, right? And she goes, and then she goes like, and it's $8 a bottle. I go, nice. God damn it. Like, okay, (laughs) you know. So, you know, this is funny because he pours the water, he pours the water, and then he, every time, like, our water bottle, our uh, glass gets, like, half full, he comes by again, he, like, fills up the glass. Right. You know, and then he fills up um, uh, her friend's husband's glass, and his glass isn't full, but the bottle's empty. So he grabs a new bottle and finishes filling up, and, like, damn, we're now, we're on, like, two bottles, you know, like, like yep. 16 bucks just for water already. Yeah. And so she goes, like, how do we make this stop? You know, so the waiter comes by again. And we go like, can we just can enough with the water already? You know, like, can we just stop? You know, and and he was like, so he came back. He like he took the bottle away. He came back. He was like, was, was there a a problem with the water? Like, you know, most people don't like stop water service. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so um, I think I brought it up. I said, well, we were having a discussion because we're not from here, so we weren't really sure what still water is. You know, in terms of like on the scale of like what waters are. Um, and to find out that we're being charged for what we would consider just like water. He goes, you're not being charged. This is complimentary. I'm like, Oh, because the mainland person over there said that there's a distinction and like, you know, still water is a paid for bottled water service. Like, no, 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 not here. Wouldn't do that to you guys. Like that's, you know, our goal is to want you to come back, not to, not to, you know, put you off by, by pouring, you know, fake water, by upcharging you on, on water service. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's in the business best interest to not do that. And he was right. And he was, you know, a good waiter and the food was uh, amazing as well. Um, but it should be like, it should be up to the business one, whether or not to, to offer you that or to charge for it. Um, same with the straws, right? If, if individual businesses, uh, want to do, you know, want to be eco-friendly and environmentally friendly, then yeah. Then, then don't bring out the straws, um, unless on request, right? Just, you know, like there's, there's a lot of places, you know, in California with, through the droughts and water, even in the hotel rooms, you know, they're like, we're trying to conserve water. And by trying to conserve water, we ask you to turn off your water. Um, and to know that unless, unless requested, right, we're, we're not going to wash your bedding every night because to, to wash that much laundry, uh, on a daily basis just costs us too much, um, so if you can handle, you know, reusing your sheets for a night or two, um, we're just going to do it that way. Right. And then mm-hmm. as a customer, you go like, okay, yeah, fine. So if a, if a restaurant wants to say like, oh no, we're, we're not going to be using plastic straws unless specifically requested because it's an environmental concern for us, um, and a cost savings for us, you know, then we're just, unless you want it, we're just not going to offer it. And you put that out front and then you don't have to like find waiters and waitresses, uh, or restaurants and make it a big government program on what to do with the plastic. You just, you know, environmentally and, you know, uh, economic conscious, um, business owners will take care of it. Um, to the point where even at our restaurant, again, um, you know, when, when I'm doing the dishes, I notice that we throw out a lot of rice, right? And I go, man, if they're trying to cut costs, one of the things that they could do is just make rice like available on request rather than make it like part of the meal, make it a complimentary part of the meal. If you ask for it, if you're not going to eat the rice, then save us some money, you know, save the environment some money, save, you know, like that's less, less money, less cost, less waste going, you know, through the landfills and whatnot. 
just don't order it, right? You know, I've, I've brought this up to the owners and they can do whatever they want with it. Um, but why not, right? If, if you don't, if you don't ask for it, we just assume you don't want it. Um, and that way we can keep our prices down without affecting, you know, your meal at all. It seems like it makes sense to me. No government interference necessary. Yeah. Some, some people, uh, just like the HOA, uh, they have nothing better to do than, uh, getting other people's business. So, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. Yep. Anything else? No, I think that's about it. Final thoughts? All right. Uh, that'll do it for us then, people. Thank you very much for listening. You know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, uh, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience. If you want to participate in the show prep and comment on the articles that I post, you can do so in the groups, uh, uh, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchistexperience. Uh, I haven't mentioned this in a while, but the reason I do the show intro with like season two episode, whatever, uh, is because we're now on the uh, Liberty Radio Network, LRN.FM. Um, so you can check out all the shows there and be sure to catch us in that rotation. And if you want to contribute to this show financially, uh, we do that through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to y'all next week. Peace.